like that. Hello, everybody. Welcome that. to this. What, 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 what episode is this? Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are having or had a great weekend, and I hope you're excited for another edition, edition, rendition, whatever the hell you want to call it, of the Logan Blackman Show. Before we get into the show's main talking points, I want to make sure to remind you all of the main things to do. Okay? Not necessarily just listen to the show. You have to remember, this is vital, crucial, if even. I don't know, just any, you think of any other word you can think of for importance. Just make sure, okay? You are following Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, you're listening right now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman. Logan with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. YouTube and Facebook to search the Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe to those. And, again, you're listening to it right now. You're listening to it right now. So make sure you are following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify account. And leave a rating on a five stars on both. Leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Oh, my goodness. Long-winded intro. And I apologize. It's been... I, for what what I'm talking about when I mean I, I, don't, I don't know what day it is. Because the last show we did, Monday's show... We recorded on Saturday. I've I have not record I've recorded two shows ever on a Saturday. One of them was during the BYU Coastal Carolina game where I was watching the game as we were recording a show, which was really fun. And then this past Monday's show, where I had Kevin Russell and Zach Tracy on the show, and we just shot the shit and talked about things William Penn. Now the show was going to be longer, it was gonna be all these different things, but man, let's just say after an hour, things started turning for the worst. <laughs> so I mentioned in the beginning of the show on Monday where it was I had these whole this whole thing set up. Like we talked before the show. Zach, Kevin, and I sat down. We talked before the show and what the plan was. I wanted to go over the overarching theme of what we were going to talk about in the show. And the main thing that we were going to do, so I was like, okay, we'll start off the show. We'll introduce you guys. And then we're just going to shoot the shit for a little bit, probably about 15 minutes, half hour. Just make fun of each other, roast each other, do whatever you need to do just to get stuff out. That ended up lasting an hour, which I thought was beautiful. Even more than an hour. It was like an hour and ten minutes or something like that. So I was like, oh, perfect. This is this is perfect. This is exactly what we were looking for. Because, yeah, it was longer, but it made it more fun. I thoroughly enjoyed Monday's episode of Logan Blackman Show. That first hour, I was laughing so hard throughout just because they were roasting each other the entire time. We were roasting each other. We were bringing up stories, reminiscing, stuff like that. And then... After that was all done, I tried to segue into two different seg- segments that I had planned. One of them was hot takes, which is what we did, where it was, uh, <laughs> you had, I told them before the show started, like a few days before the show started, before we were going to start recording, that they needed to come up with at least one hot take for the show. And Kevin is, and I mentioned this in the pre the beginning of the show when I introduced Kevin, that he's a Derek Carr and biggest Las Vegas Raiders fan, because when I bring up Derek Carr, Kevin is the one that messages me all the time about Derek Carr. Kevin is, Seattle, is a Seattle Seahawks fan. But it's funny to say that he's a Raiders fan because no one should like Derek Carr as much as Kevin does. And he's not even a fan of the team. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I started off with that, and we were going to talk about that. But I told Kevin his hot take cannot involve anything around Josh Allen or Derek Carr. Because he has said some outlandish things through text, and I wanted to save him from that. I didn't want him to put that stuff over the air. It's fine just saying it to me. It's fine texting it to me. But when you have however many people listen, I have no idea how many people listen to this show. Could be none. Could be 15. Could be however many. 
you don't want people to know you actually think that, right? You do not need that on the air. Your opinions about sports will be null and void after you say what you said. So I told him his hot takes cannot involve that. So Zach's hot take consisted of Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl, which is fine. I mean, he's a Cowboys fan. Cowboys are in the second weakest division in football, probably. The only other division that's worse than that is the NFC South with the Panthers, Falcons, Saints, and Buccaneers. Like you got two playoff teams from there, probably, in the Bucks and Saints. NFC East got guaranteed, well, not guaranteed, but two playoff teams in that division as well, in the Eagles and Cowboys. And then the other two teams are garbage, like really, really bad. Not now. The now I will say this: the Washington Commanders, New York Giants, I don't think are as bad as the New York Giants or as, as the New Orleans Chiefs, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Carolina Panthers. I don't think they're going to be that bad. And the NFC, generally speaking, when comparing it to the AFC, is a lot weaker. So the 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 line to get to the Super Bowl for the Dallas Cowboys is generally easier when you're talking about NFC side of things. Division's fairly easy, and the NFC is an open field pretty much. You got the Rams who are the reigning Super Bowl champs and the Bucks. The Packers, you would imagine, are going to be down a little bit, but they did make some nice moves in the offseason. Yes, they lost Devontae Adams, but Jair Alexander will be back and fully healthy. David Bakhtiar will be back at some point during the season. I love the Christian Watkins get. Uh, who's the linebacker they got from Georgia? I'm completely blanking right now. And they got Delonte Wyatt later in the first round. Devontae Wyatt, I don't know how he slid. Well, I know how he slid that late. There were some character issues, some off-the-field things. That happened years ago because of the NFL draft, so things that happened multiple, multiple years ago get brought to light right on draft night because that's just how it works. But I do like the moves they made. I'm intrigued to see how Alan Lazard does because as of right now, you would expect him to be the number one guy. But rookies like Christian Watson, they brought in Romeo Dubs from Nevada as well, who I really like, who see him get a big role this year. So, yeah, and they still got Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and all those guys on offense. So I I really don't think they'll have a massive drop-off. Do I think they'll go 13-3 and or whatever they went last year? No, I don't. I think they'll be a little bit worse, a little bit. You lose a receiver like Devontae Adams. I know you have Aaron Rodgers, but still, Devontae Adams just takes off so much pressure off the other receivers on the roster that losing him is big even though you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers. At least one of the great, one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. But if you look at the NFC, again, those are probably the three teams that the Cowboys are quote-unquote competing with. Like the Eagles are going to be challenging them for the division title, but I don't know if the Eagles and Cowboys... I, I don't know. Did I agree with it? No. I did not agree with it at all. I did not. Do I like some of the players the Cowboys have? Yes, I do. I like Micah Parsons. I like Tony Pollard. I like CeeDee Lamb, even though I think that NFL media is rating him way too highly at this point in his career. I saw a thing on Twitter a couple days ago, and I sent this to my friend Noah, and it was start one, bench one, cut one. And it was Jamar Je- Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and CeeDee Lamb. What the hell is CeeDee Lamb doing on that graphic? CeeDee Lamb is not anywhere near those two guys at this point in time. It could happen, and I would expect his role to be in- increased since Jamari Cooper's gone. But at this point, you cannot compare him to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Two guys that when they had their rookie seasons, broke the rookie receiving record. Jamar Chase won rookie of the year. Justin Jefferson was the only person to take votes away from Justin Herbert. CeeDee Lamb is just now beginning to be the true number one guy of the Dallas Cowboys. He's not on that level with those two. He's not. And I brought up the Chase versus Justin Jefferson thing in the past. I think Chase is a better receiver than Justin Jefferson. But I'd like to rephrase that where it's like, okay, he's a better receiver 
But I need to see, I want to, how do I want to word this? Because I said going into the draft that Jamar Chase was better than Justin Jefferson. And I stand by that. I do think Jamar Chase is a top, top receiver in the NFL. But I don't know. I, Justin Jefferson's done very good for two years now. Jamar Chase done for one. So maybe just one more year and then I can confidently say he's better. But we'll see. Justin Jefferson's a dog, so I don't really want to take anything away from Justin Jefferson. But yeah, the the Cowboys, do I think they'll win the Super Bowl? No. And the thing was, I don't know if I explained this before, you couldn't talk for a minute. So Kevin and I had to sit in silence while Zach was explaining his point on why he thought the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. I don't really remember what all he said. But no, do I agree with it? No, not really. And Kevin involved Derek Carver's Josh Allen thing, and it's it was like a 30-minute long thing of I, – I was like, this is giant. I didn't even – I stopped recording because I was like, this is just a waste of my time. Kevin got up and left. Zach went and laid on the couch for a little bit. Kevin went to the bathroom. Zach laid on the couch. And I was just sitting there. I was like, I'm not waiting for this. I'm not continuing this. I'm going to – I'm stopping. And then Kevin was like, Logan, we can't, we can't post that show. We can't post it. Because before that, before that, I don't know if I said this during the show when we were recording at the beginning of it. But I had something planned that I did not tell them about until we did it on the show. And that was, I had three questions from him. And Dan, who has been on the show before, was going to be there as well. He couldn't make it. So I had Cowboys questions, Seahawks questions, and Raiders questions for Zach, Dan, and Kevin. But since Dan wasn't there, Kevin was allowed to do his Seahawks questions. But if you got a question wrong, you had to do a shot or a shotgun of beer. So it was kind of a... Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a very interesting segment right here. And then Zach did one shot. I don't remember what question he got wrong. But here, I'll read I'll read the questions out so you can maybe quiz yourselves on if you know. If maybe you know the, the Cowboys and Seahawks better than these two do. So I'll ask three questions, and you quiz yourself. You have some fun here. And I'll wait like five seconds for you to answer, and then I'll, then I'll go into the answer. So for Zach's first question, they progressively get harder. I think these are all pretty easy. I had to look up. The last one for Ke- for Zach, but I, I, I thought of the questions like, okay, I got to remember who this person's name is. But the first one was, who was the first player selected by Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson in the NFL draft? Twas Troy Aikman, former UCLA and Oklahoma quarterback. Troy Aikman went on to win three Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys. Who, went, in my opinion, and we've talked about this before, is one of the more overrated quarterbacks. When regards to legends, do I think he's a Hall of Famer? Of course, he won three Super Bowls. But I don't think he compares to the other greats out there. Would I take Steve Young over Trey Aikman? In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Would I take Jim Kelly over Trey Aikman? Yes. That's biased, I know. I know it's extremely biased, but I would take Jim Kelly over Trey Aikman. But Troy Aikman was the first overall draft pick by the Dallas Cowboys in the 89 draft. And that is a stacked... Stacked, 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 stacked top five. That might be the greatest top five in NFL draft history, 1989. It was Troy Aikman, Tony Man- okay, Tony Mandridge, but then we got Derek Thomas, Barry Sanders, and Dijon Sanders. That is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, top five in NFL history. You have got two of the greatest of their positions in Deion Sanders and Barry Sanders. I think Barry's the greatest running back of all time. Dion is unquestionably the greatest cornerback of all time. Defensive back even, maybe. Derek Thomas, one of the greatest outside linebackers in NFL history. Troy Aikman, three-time Super Bowl champ, Hall of Famer, and Tony Mandridge. Had de- <laughs> not very good on the Packers. Played decently well when he moved into guard for the Colts, but yeah, he does not compare to the other guys there. 
Then the next question was, who intercepted Neil O'Donnell twice in the Super Bowl on the way to winning Super Bowl MVP and a nice offseason contract with the then-called Oakland Raiders? It was Larry Brown. It was Larry Brown. Now, if you've watched NFL films enough, you would know that answer in a heartbeat. That's how I know it. That's how I he put he hit he if he if that if the football was a gun, he would have killed Larry Brown. It hit him in the chest. Both interceptions. Larry Brown didn't even need to work for it. He undercut the route completely. Neil O'Donnell pictured it up perfectly. Or what? Do you, what's the phrase you you use for that? He telegraphed it. He telegraphed. Larry Brown knew exactly what to do. And picked it off, and Deion Sanders said, you could run for mayor in Dallas as long as you give me a job. He'll vote for him if he gives, if he gives him a job. And he got a big offseason contract. I mean, it was one of those situations where Super Bowl MVP gets big-time contract, and then it turns out, wow, the rest of the season he was not amazing. We shouldn't have really given this massive contract based off one game. Do I understand why that happens? Yes, of course. You want your best players to perform when the lights are the brightest. You see that in soccer all the time. You see players after World Cups, Euros, and all these tournaments get massive, massive transfers after one tournament. Six, seven, eight games for these players. Do they deserve it? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. But if they weren't doing it at club level just because they did it at international level or in the Super Bowl, doesn't mean that's going to translate to the rest of his career and deserving of a massive contract. The Raiders did that twice. They gave Desmond Howard a massive-ass contract after he won Super Bowl MVP for the Packers. He was just a punt returner, kick returner, just a returner. Heisman Trophy winner in college as a receiver, but was barely used as a wide receiver in the NFL. But yeah, Larry Brown had two interceptions in Super Bowl. And then the last one, which I needed to remember the name, uh, great song, by the way. <laughs> Who hit Terrell Owens when he celebrated on the star in Dallas? Okay, you're not even going to get it. Okay, George Teague was the answer for that one. And then, yeah, safety. I don't know if he was a big time. It was like a role player for the Cowboys, but he was the one, don't disrespect the star. And Terrell Owens is like, I just wanted God I wanted God to appreciate what I was doing down here. And, uh, yeah, George Teague did not take kindly to that because he did it twice. He did it twice. The first time he just posed there. Second time he slammed the ball on the star. So then that was when George Teague came up and hit him. So Zach got the Larry Brown question wrong. And he got the George Teague one wrong as well, obviously. He wasn't going to get George Teague. So he had to do two shots. After every question you had to get, you had to take a shot. And then <laughs> Kevin got the very first question wrong. Who intercepted Russell Wilson on the goal line in Super Bowl 49? If you're those of you who don't know, that was Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl. Uh, that was Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler played pretty well after that. Won, didn't win Super Bowl MVP, though. Didn't win Super Bowl MVP. Tom, Tom Brady won Super Bowl MVP that year. At least I believe he did. But he got that question wrong. And when he took the shot, and I might think about throwing the audio in here if you heard it. <laughs> if you hear the audio in here, congratulations. But if you don't, <laughs> I'm, so I'm sorry. I don't really want to play it. Let's just put it like this. Kevin took the shot, was going to chase it down with beer, which I've always found extremely weird. I've never understood why people do that. Like, at that point, don't even use a chase. You're just going to make it worse for yourself. And it was, it was shot to captain, so it wasn't like anything smooth. It was from, like, the plastic bottles from Casey's. Like, not good stuff. Not good stuff. But chasing with beer in the, the Mountain Dew hards, that's the thing he was chasing it with. That's not really the best combination one would assume. I've never had a Mountain Dew hard yet, but I don't really 
think that'd be the best option for you. And, like, I don't even think he got halfway down the shot and he just threw up all over the place. And you could hear it in the microphone. I need, I actually didn't even check that. He might have thrown up on my microphone. <laughs> my microphone's above me right now, the one Kevin used. But he threw up on the – it's just direct – it just – you can hear it so clearly. I want to see if I can get the audio on my phone because I don't – I don't know how well this will work. But I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. He didn't intercept Russell Wilson. He scored the game when he touched it against the Falcons in the Super Bowl. You chased it with beer? <laughs> yeah, he's going to fuck. Okay, Kevin's not thinking anymore. So, yeah, I don't know how well you can hear that, but <laughs> I'll check I'll check at the end of the show, and if you can hear that, I'll keep that in. If not, we'll just delete that entire part, or I'll just boost the audio for that little bit, but it was gross. It was gross, and Kevin, to his credit, did clean up most of it on the deck, but he was under the influence, he didn't get all of it, so the next morning when I woke up, I went out on the deck, and thankfully, thank the Lord that this happened, but none of it dripped down to the person, because I live on the third floor, none of it dripped down below to the person below me. I was so thankful for that, because, and this is going to be gross, so if you have a, uh, a very easy upset. Your tummy gets upset fairly easily. Just plug your ears for this or take your headphones out or whatever. Turn this down. It was all chunky. It was all chunky. So when I went out the next morning, I was like, well, I got to check to see what the damage is. And I cleaned up the spot. It was. It looks beautiful, pristine. It looks like the deck has barely even... There's nothing even happened there. Nothing's happened there. But I go out with a knife and I scoop up, go through the cracks and scoop up the, I don't even know what you want to call it. It, it wasn't like the, just the, this, the substance. And I almost, I almost threw up. I don't like dealing with throw up anyways. I'm not, I'm not someone that throws up just by looking at throw up, but I've come close numerous times. Like when I clean up my dogs throw up, it's bad. Now, I'm not talking Poppy, this tiny little white dog bear, the big old Rottweiler. That stuff's rank. This stuff didn't even smell. Cause my well, I couldn't tell because my face was so far away from it, but I was like so close. Like I was doing all the weird noises and stuff that you're trying to do to try and stop yourself from doing that. It was disgusting. And it was Mountain Dew that it was the red one. Red mountain red hard Mountain Dew. It was disgusting. Thankfully, and this is what the contents were, was Casey's Pizza. So the Casey's Pizza So imagine Casey's Pizza. Chewed up, soaked in basically code red Mountain Dew for, I don't know, however many minutes. That's what it looked like. It was disgusting. And it was it was instant. He took the shot, not even halfway down, everywhere. And he's like, let's do it again. Let's do it again. I was like, no, I don't really want to do another question for you. But then he got he got the the second question, right, which was uh, who received Super Bowl MVP honors when the Seahawks beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl? That was Malcolm Smith. I'm not going to wait for you guys to answer the questions anymore, okay? Because it's taking too long. I don't like the awkward silences in there. But it was Malcolm Smith. He got that one right. I was pretty surprised by that one. And then who was the last and only player to wear 12 for the Seahawks? That was Sam Atkins. Obviously, he did not get that one right. But I, I don't even think he took a shot. I think I just let him sip because I was like, I'm not. we're not doing that again. I'm just thankful that we did it outside. I'm not doing that now in my like the living room area, the kitchen, it's hardwood. But where my podcast is set up normally, it's all carpet. 
So if thankfully we're outside, and the smell didn't sit around in <laughs> in the apartment, just sat on the deck. And yeah, so that was the last hour of the show. Was that like it? Did, it was not even a show at that point. We did the question. They asked me a couple questions. I think the questions were: Who was the leading league's leading rusher in two thousand nine? Was Adrian Peterson? Who was the league's leading receiver in two thousand? No. Two, yeah, 2011, I think, was the leading receiver question. It was Calvin Johnson, Adrian Peterson were the answers. And then there was one in the middle. I don't remember who it was. Who, no, I think I got the Adrian Peterson question wrong. I don't remember what the second, the first question was. Because I I was like, Chris Johnson or Adrian Peterson? And I was like, maybe this was TJ2K's year, so I said Chris Johnson. But it wasn't Chris Johnson or Adrian Peterson. What was the other question, though? There's one other question in there. That was oh who was MVP in like '96 or something? It was Brett Favre. I don't. So I got I got the Brett Favre question right. I got the Adrian Peterson question wrong and the Calvin Johnson question right. And yeah, so that so I had to take a shot of that, but I can I can hold my alcohol. <laughs> Us Blackmans are very good at, at drinking <laughs> to a certain extent, but uh, yeah. So I was like. I was fine the rest of the day, which is a scary thing, a scary thing, and I was pretty fine the rest of the day. Kevin and Zach were reeling for the rest of the day, pretty much, and then we went to to Hessen House downtown later in the night, so we went to an iCubs game, watched the Mud Hens versus the Iowa Cubs. The Mud Hens beat the iCubs. Zach and Kevin are, of course, cheering for the Mud Hens, heckling players and stuff like that. It was pretty funny stuff. I enjoyed it. I was sitting there the first couple times it happened. Because this is the difference for those of you who have never been to an iCubs game. iCubs and just minor league sports in general are more geared towards kids. Major league sports are geared more towards everybody. But the kids are the main target audience in minor league sports. And when you're in an Iowa Cubs game, you can't drop F-bombs left, right, and center. So I was like, hey, guys, you need to you need to calm down. We got kids all around us right now. Did that calm down? Yeah, but about five minutes. And then everybody just started laughing. I got asked by a lady sitting behind us if I knew these people. And I was like, yeah, unfortunately, I know these people. Yeah, 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 I know these people. Unfortunately, I'm st- I'm the one who actually brought them here. <laughs> we met up with some other friends, went downtown. And yeah, fun. Overall, very, very fun day. And I'm really happy with how the show turned out because I think it was just funny. It was not anything that we've done before and it wasn't planned, really. I mean, we had the idea to just BS the start of it. But the rest of the stuff that I actually had planned out just did not happen. It just wasn't happening with how they were, how they were like Zach didn't even tell me he was leaving. He just got up and laid down on the couch. And my dad brought this up to me. He liked that. You could hear like every two minutes or something or five minutes, you could hear a of a, an alcoholic beverage being opened. But overall, just a very, very fun show. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you to Kevin and Zach for coming on. And yeah, and then it was just like the last time they're gonna. Everybody that I've had on, that I've had on as a guest, has asked to be on. I don't. I've I've never actually reached out to anybody to to get them on the show before. Like Dan or Zach asked me if him and Dan could come on because Zach was trying to get a job. T Boy wanted to come on after a specific game. I don't. He DM'd me on Instagram a while, like when we did that show. It was like get me on the show. I don't remember what I. I don't remember what the show was about when we were talking about it, but. Then Kevin messaged me last Saturday, the Saturday before this la- this past one, and was like, hey, let's all get on the show. So we were going to have me, Dan, and Kevin, Zach, but Dan couldn't make it, so it was just me and Zach, me, Zach, and Kevin, and I think it turned out really funny. 
I'm not going to sit here and say it was the greatest show of all time, but it was hilarious nonetheless. And sometimes those are the best shows. The shows that come in without a plan are usually the best. Like the Logan Blackman show, ever since I've done the podcast, probably since about... How long ago could I say this? Probably three-fourths of the way through 2020, when it's turned into a podcast, I stopped writing scripts. I have a general-ish idea of stuff I want to talk about, but most of the... Not most of the time, all the time. There's nothing written down beforehand. Like, these questions, I had stuff written down. And I had questions for Zach and Kevin where we were going to actually talk about certain things. But again, we got to the point where nothing nothing normal was going to come out the rest of the show. Zach was either going to die or pass out, and then Kevin was just going to... I don't know. It, it just... It was going down a path, and Kevin didn't even want to listen to it. So I don't know if Kevin's listening to it. Kevin normally listens to the show and messages me afterwards. So I don't know if Kevin's listening or not. <laughs> so I'll have to ask him next time I see him or text him or something. Because he was very adamant that he did not want to listen to the show. He's like, Mondays are dedicated to the Logan Blackman show, and I don't know if I can listen to this one. And I was like, yeah, I understand. I listened to I listened to it back. This was one of the few I actually listened back to because I wanted to hear how it sounded. Because I bought a microphone that day. I had two microphones, the two, so we have this Shure microphone, and they have an Audio-Technica microphone, and I bought another Shure microphone, but not like not a fancy one, it was one of the, just a handheld microphones, basically a, a singing microphone. So I bought that, and I was really nervous how that microphone was going to turn out, so I had to boost the audio quite a bit on certain parts with Zach, because Zach had that microphone, and he was super quiet at the beginning of the show. And that's how he was when Dan was on, he was super quiet. So I was kind of nervous about that, but... Everything sounded good for the most part. I was just nervous about the clicking thing. Because if you remember T-Boy's show, when he came on, we used my second microphone. So I had the blue snowball microphone, and I had this random stand-up microphone. I don't remember where I got it from. And then the Audio-Technica, then the Shure microphone, and now another Shure microphone. But I used the stand one, and it, there's popping all throughout the show. Borderline unlistenable. Terrible. But I didn't want to go back and say, hey, T-Boy, I'm not going to post your show. I was like, I want to keep it. It was a fun show. I enjoyed it. So I ca- I took... It's one of the things where I've recorded so many shows up until this point. I think we're at... I'm just guessing here. I know we have like 255 or something episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But in the grand scheme of the Logan Lab Show, we've only been doing that since my... Since the first semester or second semester, partially, before COVID hit. So in 2020, my second semester of college, my my senior year, my, my, my first senior year, then we had my senior and a half year because I graduated in December 2020. That's when it turned into a podcast. We had about four years or three and a half years prior of recording stuff without it actually ever being posted anywhere. So I would imagine we have probably close to 400, maybe even 500 Logan Blackman show episodes. So when you've recorded that many, I'm not sitting here and saying I'm an expert or trying to pat myself on the back or anything. I pretty much the exact opposite. But when you recorded so many shows, you just listen to it and you're like, oh, that's bad. But the number one thing in this kind of world, and I'm not saying the Logan Blackman show is anything special at this point in time or making money or anything. But the main thing in this realm is that you've got to stay consistent. And I remember I was watching a video. So when I, I was growing up, I used to, I, well, I still do. I watched the Sidemen a lot. And I remember Josh Zerka, who's a member of the Sidemen, obviously. He was like, sometimes a video that you look you make doesn't turn out the way you wanted. 
but you've just got to post it. So with episodes like that where the audio sucks, you recorded for an hour, you recorded for two hours, you had a guest on or whatever, I was just like, we've got to post it. So when Zach was super quiet in the first one, or I was nervous about this one as well, I was like, we'll take the L and we'll bounce, we'll bounce back eventually. I'm not saying it's going to be a quick fix because there was a point where that microphone was so bad that there was like eight or nine episodes in a row where about halfway through the popping started. So sometimes you just got to take the L and then move on with the rest of it. Sometimes, and there's certain times where it's just so bad to where you're just like, I can't post that. There's been times I've been recording a show for an hour and a half and I stopped recording. Or I've had shows in the past where I did a mock draft. Like last year, or not last year, earlier this year, I recorded a show and did a whole mock draft. And I changed my mock draft up so much. And it was a two and a half hour show that I recorded. That went down to about 47 minutes because I cut out so much stuff. Because the mock draft was unrecognizable compared to what we talked about on the show. So I was like, we're going to have to do this again. We're going to have to have a whole other show dedicated to that. So there are certain shows like that where you're going to have to delete it. There are certain things that are so bad, but most of the time, if it's bad and you know it's bad, you just kind of got to take the L and bounce back. Again, there's there's different circumstances for different things. Something terrible could have happened in one, but that's kind of been my mantra. When a show kind of goes really bad or kind of just isn't up to what you were expecting, I just kind of take the L. Now, like the last... The show I'm talking like with Kevin and Zach, towards the end, it was just unlistable. We had an hour, 15 minutes of content. That was fine. If we recorded about, if that, the hour at the end was all we recorded, then yeah, I'd just be, I'd force my hand. I was like, I got to post it. I've got to post it. It's not going to be the best show ever. And there's been a lot of shows that have been like that. I've gone into shows knowing the show's going to stink. And that's not necessarily the right mindset to have. When you do a show like this, where you're you're going in, going, oh, this sucks. I mean, it's like I had somewhat of that mindset today, and I talked myself out of it because I was just tired. I was like, I, this is gonna suck. This is gonna be a really bad show. And I don't, I don't think I could be very wrong, but of course I'm biased because it's my show. I don't think this show's turned out that bad so far. <laughs> but there's shows I've went in like that, and I was like, I absolutely hated that show. And when I post the links places like on Snapchat and Instagram stories. I've gone like, don't, I would not really recommend listening to this one. I really wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> but I'm going to post it. If you listen to it, fine. But don't, don't be too harsh if it's not great. Because I know it's not great. Because there's no one that's going to critique my stuff harder than me. So when I go out there and like, if you didn't like the show or leave a one-star rating or whatever, that's fine. I can take it. Because I'll critique it harder than what you probably will. And that's how I took everything, like with sports and everything. I'll always be my harshest critic. And because you're hyper analyzing everything you do. Everything. So if anybody's gonna notice, it's gonna be you. Unless you're not like that. If you're not like me, be thankful you're not like that. I get this from my mom quite a bit about overthinking things. Sometimes I'll think a show's terrible and then I'll get back. It's like, oh, it was actually not that bad. But it felt terrible as you're recording it. Because that's the wrong mindset that you have going into it. But I've taken I've taken L's in this show before. I've taken L's in this show. And confidence is key, especially when you only got one person. You can't have someone else kind of save the show to a, cent, to a certain extent. You kind of just got to accept and go, well, this is it. This is all you're getting today. This is all you're getting. I'm going to try and get more guests on here. 
And some of the shows might be like the ones with Zach and Kevin. Some of them might be more like this general show where it's more just straight line sports stuff. Sometimes might just be bullshit. Sometimes might be funny. Well, I try to be somewhat entertaining because, again, it's just me. I'm trying to be somewhat funny. Or not trying, I guess. <laughs> this is kind of just who I am. I, but I want to get I want to get more guests. And I think I've said that about a thousand times. A thousand times. But I don't... The thing is, I like doing this by myself because I only have to work around my schedule. I don't want to force people to work under a certain schedule. If that makes any sense. But sometimes it works out perfectly. Because I have set recording things. Like, like I said, I haven't recorded a show. I've scored two shows on Saturdays. Ever. And that completely threw me off. I did not know what what day yesterday and today were. Because I was so thrown off. Because I didn't record anything on Sunday. So I was like, this is this is very strange. This is very, very strange. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to get slowly back into it. Because now we're on Tuesday and recording again. But man, it's fun. It's fun being here. And the, and the way I'm wording this makes it sound like we're ending the show right here. No, 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 no. I've got <laughs> we're only at a half hour. The Kevin and Zach show is the shortest show we recorded in a very long time. Very, very long time. I don't like since we took that little break. Like that one was an hour and eleven minutes. The past few ones were an hour forty, an hour twenty-seven, hour forty-seven, hour twenty-six, hour eighteen. Then we got hour forty-six, hour forty-two, hour thirty-six, and then we got all the way back in May, an hour and fourteen. But we took that like two month long break, two and a half month long break. So we have those shows that are starting to get longer again, and I like it. Do I ever want to get back to consistently doing two-hour shows? Not really. I'm kind of content just doing whatever. Because that because back then, when I was first started, I was like, I need to get to two hours. I was like, I'm going to two hours. I'm recording for two hours. Which I think is just the live radio stuff going into my head. Because you got certain times that you got to get ads in and music and stuff like that in. So I think that's what my brain was working as. But... Now I can just go, no one's controlling me. No one's controlling what I say. I'm not under FCC rules or regulations or anything like that. There's no one telling me what time I need to be done. There's nobody telling me how long a show needs to be. It's however long Logan wants to talk, however long Logan wants to edit. That's how long the show is. Answer nobody else. Which makes it fun. Which also makes it kind of stressful. Makes it very stressful. Like when I do mock drafts, stressful. Very, very stressful. Again, I'm my own harshest critic. I think that's how most people in this line of work are. I almost said business because this ain't a business yet. <laughs> it might. I'm hoping it is, but not yet. Not yet. But I love the. I love doing. I love that show. I love doing this. So, yeah, it's fun. Take the L's and bounce back. That's my main. My main thing on that. I'm not saying the Kevin and Zach one was an L. That was not an L at all. That was a great episode. But I've taken some in the past <laughs> with my other guests. But if you do. Ever want to be on the Logan Blyman show? Just let me know, and I will. I'll try to get you on. I'll try. I make it sound like I've got lines, a list of like a Packers season ticket holder thing. No, if you ask, and I'm like sure, or if I like you enough, yeah, I'm not gonna say yes to everybody, because I have to predict if a show's gonna be boring or not. I knew Kevin and Zach would be entertaining, especially if alcoholic beverages were involved. Good lord, I enjoyed that so much. <laughs> I loved it. I loved every second of it, but man, man, yeah, my hot take. So I guess I should go over mine because I never even got to mine. Like Zach said his, Kevin said his, and then Zach went inside. <laughs> then it was done. So 
I want I've kind of wanted to talk about this for the show anyways. But there's been a lot of stuff recently going around me. As we get closer to the season, you're going to see more and more of this. So just expect it. But positional rankings. Positional rankings. And who is truly elite and who is not. Like, I am athletes going around right now. And they've stolen the idea of Tough Red Friday. They're going around to all these different locations, all these different NFL teams, and getting consensus top five receiver in the NFL list. I think that's awesome. I've seen, like, Cooper Cup. I've seen Jamar Chase. Keenan Allen's done it. Who else has done it? Um, I don't remember who else has, else has done it. But I think the general consensus, again, is Devontae Adams the best receiver in the NFL, okay? Now, in receivers, there's so many elite options. So many. are players that are very, very good. Like, I think for a receiver, out of every position in the NFL, every single position in the NFL, that is the only one where I don't think you can really be too mad at whatever the top five says. Unless there's some insane inclusion... 99% of the time, you look at a receiver top 5 list or top 10 list, you're like, yeah, I kind of understand that. But you can say, like, this player deserves Like, the Madden rankings. Jamar Chase definitely deserves to be a top... He's better than an 87. Like, Jamar Chase is arguably a top 5 receiver in the NFL right now. And he's just played one year. That's how highly I rank Jamar Chase. But Devontae Adams, I think at this point, is unanimously the number one receiver in the NFL. I don't... Like, route running... Control in the air, high point in the ball, everything. Devontae Adams is that guy. So you'll see that. But you'll have some new guys like J- Cooper Cup was not a top 10, by most people's standards, a top 10 wide receiver going into the season. Going into last season, most people are like, yeah, Cooper Cup's a nice receiver. He's hurt. He was hurt a lot throughout his time in the NFL. So it was like, uh, we don't really know what all Cooper Cup is. So most people did not consider him a top 10 wideout. But then he won the Triple Crown. And everybody's considering him a top, almost guaranteed top five. I mean, dude won a triple crown. But some are talking about him being the number two receiver in the NFL behind Devontae Adams. Like, Cooper Cup had that great of a year. So my when I was looking at hot takes, I didn't really know how to do the hot take thing. I'm not a very hot, I'm not a hot take merchant like a lot of people out there are. Because you're trying to get relevant. You're trying to get listeners. I'm just not that kind of person. I don't really go out there and go, oh, I want this to be said just for the fact that it will gain me listeners or it will gain me traction because it's under the thing of any publicity is good publicity. That's some of the peop- That's some of the mindsets some people have out there. And on one hand, yeah, people are going to start talking to you, so people are going to get listening to you, and people you are going to get a lot of haters, but people are still going to be talking about you. Like Skip Bayless is the hot take merchant of all hot take merchants, the father of them all. Nick Wright's right behind him. Like, I saw a top, I think a top 50 list by Nick Wright and Jordan was number three. Like, stuff like that. Stuff like that. Skip Bayless saying Tim Tebow is better than Aaron Rodgers. Tim Tebow saying that Johnny Manziel is going to be bigger in Cleveland than LeBron James. Things like that. Does he believe it? I don't really know if he does or not. I don't know if he does. But people talk about it, and Skip Bayless is a very wealthy man because of it. I'm not like that. So when I was trying to come up with a hot take, I had to find something that I actually truly believed could happen. Not saying something just to say it, per se. Like, the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl. Is that happening? No, it's not happening. Or is Derek Carr better than Josh Allen? No, that's not happening. One of the things Kevin said was Derek Carr had a stronger arm than Josh Allen. That's nowhere close to being accurate. (laughs) I'm not saying Derek Carr's arm is lacking or anything, but Josh Allen has the strongest arm in the NFL, and Derek Carr is not above that. So I'm not going to say anything like that. 
I'm going to do more projection thing. I'm not going to be absolute about this because I think it could happen given the situation that this guy is currently in. But I could also see it not happening because he does, to a certain extent, have limitations. Do I think this guy is the best thrower of a football? No. But the things I think about said player that we'll talk about in a little bit is he's an uber competitor and he has an insane work ethic and a drive that's almost unnatural. When he was at his first school in college, no one considered this guy a viable option as a quarterback at the next level. He was going to be a running quarterback at the next level or a fullback or a tight end or something like that. He was not going to play quarterback at the next level. And then he transfers and balls out as a Heisman finalist. And everybody's like, oh, this dude can actually play quarterback. It was a second-round draft pick. And then in Alabama, he didn't opt for the transfer portal. He sat behind the guy and worked with the team. And he's like, I'll wait. I'll sit out. I'm not sit out. but Because a lot of players, when they transfer, or like they everybody knows they're going to transfer, sit out. Like, I ain't playing for you. I'm pissed off. You choose this guy. I mean, like Kelly Bryant at Clemson when Trevor Lawrence beat him out. Right after Trevor Lawrence beat him out, Kelly Bryant said, yeah, I'm done. Quit Clemson football. And transfer Mizzou, and then who the hell knows where Kelly Bryant is now. But this guy sat on the bench, and it helped Alabama win a national championship. Was part of the key factors behind them winning a national championship. At least I believe they won it. Hopefully, hold, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because he lost the national championship the season prior. Did he win a national? Okay, he did. they did win a national championship. They did, they did, they did, they did, they did, they did, they did. But not the year I'm talking about, I guess. Not the year I'm talking about. They got blitzed in the national championship the next year, but <laughs> he helped. The, he was a big cog in helping them get there. And you look at some of the players this guy has around him. He has some very nice pieces. He has one of the best offensive lines in football. The offense is predicated towards his skill set, where they're a run-first offense, and he's got really nice weapons on the outside, which is something you couldn't say before. And a very good tight end. So for all those reasons that we just mentioned, work ethic, drive, competitiveness, athletic ability, offensive line skills, the wide receivers that he has, the top two guys at least, and a solid tight end. I think that given everything going into motion, I think we could, at the end of the season again, could, I'm not saying this will happen. I'm saying it's a viable option given the circumstances and the fact he plays in a weak division. And if you're smart enough, I'd hope you figured out who I'm talking about right now. I think Jalen Hurts could be a top 10 quarterback by the time next season ends. I think that is an option. I'm not saying it's guaranteed to happen. I know there's a lot of things that could happen over the course of the season that could totally derail that. But I think given what he has and how this offense works, and he will more than likely, given how the offense worked last year, lead the team in rushing again. Like for the Philadelphia Eagles last year, Jalen Hurts had 3,100 yards, 16 touchdowns, 9 picks. Nothing amazing. Again, I know he's limited. I know his limitation as a thrower. I'm very well aware of his limitation as a thrower. Because again, before he transferred to Oklahoma, no one was considering Jalen Hurts a viable NFL quarterback. Not even a backup. Just a, not even a backup quarterback in the NFL. He was not that. So I understand completely his limitations. But you look at what the Eagles have had at receiver and what they could have had, and if they drafted the right people, things would have been made a whole hell of a lot easier. Like the Eagles wide receiver core last year, 
apart from Devontae Smith, was nothing. Quez Watkins. Jalen Rager, former first-round draft pick, drafted one pick before Justin Jefferson. Greg Ward. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who I believe is moving to tight end because he wasn't working as a wide receiver. He was more known for run blocking than he was as an actual receiver. He was drafted like seven picks before D.K. Metcalf, who just signed an extension. Like, I think with A.J. Brown coming in, hopefully Miles Sanders stays healthy, I think he could propel himself into the top 10 conversation. Again, I'd like to preface this. I'm not saying it's guaranteed to happen. There's a lot of things that can happen. So don't come at the end of the season and go, oh, Logan, I thought you said Jalen Hurts is going to be a top 10 quarterback. I said, no, I think he could be. There's a lot of positive things here in Philadelphia that could help him in that. Weak division, weaker conference by a lot. Good players around him, really good offensive line. And an offense predicated to him running the football. He led the Eagles in carries and yards last year, and yards per carry, and rushing touchdowns. Every single significant rushing category for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts led them in. Attempts, yards, touchdowns, and yards per carry. And you're going to tell me and think that he can't be that. I'm not saying, again, he's, I'm not saying it's going to happen. Because I think there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFL right now. If you look at my current top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, it reads something along the lines of Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, Brady, Burrow, Herbert, Stafford, Wilson, Lamar, and Deshaun. And not really any particular order at that point. Like, I have the top three locked, not in that order, but those top three guys and everything else you can kind of move around. But those are the top 10. So those are good quarterbacks you have to get past, but Deshaun Watson's not going to play for the first six games of the year. Still waiting to hear on what's going to happen when the NFL appeals that suspension. Lamar was hurt quite a bit last year. Stafford's aging. Hey, aging. He's like 34. <laughs> Who else do we have? Brady's aging. Who else did we mention in there? Wilt Russell battled some injuries last year. But I think he could. Could. He's got to work on some things in the past, but I have no doubt in my mind that Jalen Hurts has been working like freaking crazy this offseason. So I'm excited to see what he does. I'm very, very excited to see what he does. But that was my hot take. That was literally the only one I could think of. And again, it's a hot take. So it's not something I'm just going to build a house on or anything. But if it does end up happening, I will bring it back up. <laughs> you can't bring it up to me if it's wrong, but I'm bringing it up if it's right. So that's how this works. Uh, but I do like Jalen Hurts. I like I like his attitude. I like his competitive nature. So I, I'm cool. I, I think it could happen. If I'm looking at other quarterbacks in the NFL, like if you look at the rookie quarterbacks from last year, if you look at the rookies from last year's class, I've seen this on Instagram. Or wait, was it on Twitter? Or was it on Instagram? Hold on. It was on Instagram. It was on Instagram. So NFL executives, NFL scouts and executives, you know, we love these lists from NFL scouts and executives. We love these lists. Ranked second-year QBs. Now, I don't know what the basis is for this, because if you're judging it based solely off last year, number one and two are Mac Jones and Davis Mills. Davis Mills, and I've said this before, I think Davis Mills is getting a lot of hate from people out there. Do I think he's a guaranteed franchise quarterback? No. But I do think he's got the skill set for it. He is athletic. He's got a decent arm. He had no experience in college. Played 14 games before he got to the NFL. Was thrust in the starting job in week 
three when they played the Browns, or at the week after they played the Browns. He went in for Tyrod. Tyrod got hurt against the Browns. And then Davis Mills came in to start the rest of the season. But he broke the Texans' record for yards, passing yards as a rookie. Broke the passing yard. He led all rookies with 300 yard, 300 plus yard passing games. In the worst situation in the NFL, no one knows what's happening with their starting quarterback at the time. David Coy is their head coach. No one wants to be there. And Davis Mills still played all right. I'm not saying he played amazingly or anything, but Davis Mills played well. He played very, very well. And Mac Jones, obviously, I mean, Mac Jones was easily in the best situation. In regards to playing right away, Trey Lance overall is in the best situation, but Mac Jones, for being a guy that was thrust in the starting job week one, he was the best rookie quarterback last year. Do I think he was a pro bowler? Hell no do I think Mac Jones was a pro bowler last year. The only reason Mac Jones was a pro bowler is because Lamar was hurt, Josh Allen said, no, I want to go play in the Pro-Am golf tournament. Like If, I, if the offseason, I want to have some fun. I don't want to play in the freaking Pro Bowl. So that picture of Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Mac Jones is pretty funny. It gives me vibes of that Trubisky-Watson-Mahomes picture. You all have seen it. You all have seen that picture. If you haven't, go look it up. But Mac Jones last year was not a, was not a pro bowler by any stretch of the imagination. They beat the Bills once, but Mac Jones threw the ball twice. So it wasn't even Mac Jones that beat the Bills. When he was forced to throw the ball against the Bills, the Bills routed them both times. So... When you're looking at this, ranked second-year QBs, I'm going to do this this way, okay? So we got six of them that are starters currently. All six of them are starters. Last year we had five starters because Trey Lance wasn't a starter. So we've got these six guys. Again, I'll read off the list for you. The six guys that we have here, we have Mac Jones on here, okay? We have Trey Lance. We have Trevor Lawrence. We have Justin Fields. We have Zach Wilson. And we have Davis Mills. Now, I want to start off with Zach Wilson here. I think I'm not. This is not. I'm not starting the rankings. I'm not starting the rankings. And I'll go. What you're starting with Zach Wilson? I just. I'm just talking about Zach Wilson real quick. I saw something where it was like Joe Flacco's beating out or playing better than Zach Wilson in practice. I don't really care to be honest. This was the same thing that happened last year. Zach Wilson. Out of all these quarterbacks, in regards to talent-wise, again, talent, talent. I know he's not got necessarily the size, and he's not even a small quarterback. That was one thing that bothered me last year. Dude's not that; he's not a small quarterback. But when you're talking about Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence, he, they're bigger than him. They're bigger than him. But I think Trey Lance is the most talented quarterback out of this group. I've said that since he got drafted. I think he's the most talented. I think he's the best situation for his career. He's got Kyle Shanahan. He's got, De- got Debo Samuel. He's got a good out to line. He's got Elijah Mitchell in the backfield. He's got George Kittle at tight end. He's got Brandon Ayuk, who's apparently out of Kyle Shanahan's doghouse, which is good for him. So he's in a really good situation. Defense is really good as well. They'll put. They should be able to push the. They should be able to push the Rams. And he is a better, way more talented quarterback potentially than Jimmy Garoppolo is. And I'm excited to see where Garoppolo goes. His shoulders keeping him off the trade market. No one wants to trade for him because his shoulders that messed up. So they're, apparently they're cutting him, and the Rams are one of the teams that are leading the the, the race for him because I think Matt Stafford has an injury. I don't know. I, the Rams would kind of surprise me. I The Texans are the most likely. Well, I would think the Texans would be a very likely spot. I mean, there's a bunch of Patriots guys there. So you would think that would be a very logical fit for him. I've heard the Browns are another team in there. 
Who else? I think the Seahawks could be a viable option there as well, maybe. Unless they want to show loyalty to Geno Smith, who's apparently winning the starting job right now. But I think the 49ers are a better team with Trey Lance than they are with Jimmy Garoppolo. Time will tell, though, if that becomes a thing, if that's actually true. But that's how I feel because he's so much more talented than Jimmy Garoppolo. But Zach Wilson, talent-wise, is one of the, if not the top, one of the top guys right behind Trey Lance in this draft. In regards to arm talent, Zach Wilson's crazy athletic when he got the ball in his hands throwing the football. It's just a matter of if he can stay consistent. And I like what the Jets are doing around Zach Wilson. They got Brees Hall in the backfield. They drafted Michael Carter last year. They got Tevin Coleman. They got Garrett Wilson this year in the draft. Got Elijah Moore who got hurt. But when he got hurt, at that time, Elijah Moore was, his stock was going up and up and up. Elijah Moore was balling before he got hurt. And you got Corey Davis still there. You got CJ Uzama in the offseason, the tight end. Now, the thing that will hurt the New York Jets quite a bit, one would imagine, Mekhi Becton has suffered an avulsion fracture of his right kneecap. Ouch. He's having surgery. He's seeing a surgeon tomorrow, but is likely out for the year. So that's back-to-back years where Mekhi Becton is not going to play. And so exactly what we were talking about during the draft, when everybody was linking the Jets to Ikiquanu because they were fed up with Mekhi Becton because he kept battling injuries. He got, I think he tore his ACL last year. I don't remember what injury he had last year. He was out of all the season last year. Now he's out again. But if you're talking, like, talent-wise, Mekhi Becton's very, very good. But I saw this on Twitter, too, in regards to that. They said, uh, one dude just said bust. I don't like when people label players busts because of injuries. Like, I'll never label Kajana Carter a bust, even though he didn't really do a lot. Like, people are starting to talk about Saquon Barkley. I don't include that in there as well, because Barkley on his day is one of the best backs in the NFL. He just can't stay healthy. Like, players battling injuries is different than a player just not working out at the next level. So, like, players like Jamarcus Russell or Ryan Leaf or players like that, those are busts. Art Schleister, players like that, where they just are stupid, immature at the time, and it just doesn't work out. Injuries do not make someone a bust. So, though Mekhi Becton has not played the past two years, potentially, he's not a bust. Mekhi Becton is not a bust. When Mekhi Becton is playing, Mekhi Becton is a very good tackle. But when he's hurt, like he has been, and you've got the other tackles around him in that draft, like Andrew Thomas played well, Jedrick Wills has played well, Tristan Wirfs is the best right tackle in the NFL, so it's all these different things. It's like, man, look at these other tackles. Do I think the Jets should have passed on Wirfs for Becton? No. I don't think anybody should have passed on Wirfs at all. I said in that mock draft, Tristan Wirfs should go to the Giants at number four. They took Thomas, and Wirfs went 13 to the Bucks. The Bucks greatly benefited from that. But Zach Wilson this year, I would expect, and I said this during my preview last year, and that will be coming up here shortly. I still need to record that and stuff like that, but I think the Jets have a nice blueprint. I like that they have Lafleur as the office coordinator. I think that works beautifully with what Zach Wilson's skill set is. I think Robert Sala, once they get the defensive side of things sorted out, they got Sauce Gardner this year, which was a big-time get at, what was it, fourth overall. I liked what the Jets did in the draft. They drafted Jermaine Johnson, somehow got him in the 20s. They got Brees Hall. We already talked about Garrett Wilson. They had a good draft. And they're going to have Carl Lawson back, who had a torn Achilles last year, so he didn't play. But yeah, I think Zach Wilson and the Jets will be better. At least they should be better than what they were last year. And Zach Wilson, I think, has all the talent in the world. And I don't think people should be writing off Zach Wilson. I don't think. Do I really believe Zach Wilson's playing worse than Joe Flacco? No, I don't. But I also haven't seen anything from Jets practice. I have not seen anything from Jets practice. But from everything I've heard 
and read about Jets players talking about the quarterbacks, Zach Wilson's the guy. There's no competition. The players are fairly firm in their stance that Zach Wilson is the guy. So do I go out there and think, oh, Joe Flacco could beat him out? Joe Flacco could take his starting job? No, I think there's a 0% chance that happens. Unless Zach Wilson gets hurt again like he did last year, no one's taking that starting job from him this season. I think if he's healthy, he plays all 17 games, and it, we'll see how he does during those 17 games to see if he value or gets a chance to start the next year. And looking at the other quarterback on this list that's going to have a tough season, that's Justin Fields. Roquan Smith just requested the trade. I know it's on the defense side of the ball, but they just lost Khalil Mack. Big-time loss there. New defensive-minded head coach and Matt Eberflus, who I really like, and I'm not surprised he got the Bears off because, we, hell, we predicted that would happen. But Justin Fields is going to die this year. They're talking about trading Tevin Jenkins, the starting right tackle they drafted from Oklahoma State. They're talking about trading him. They traded Allen Robinson this offseason, so it's basically Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields with David Montgomery, and I think they drafted a running back this year, but I don't remember who the running back was. They are going to struggle. I'm very nervous for Justin Fields this year. Very, very nervous. I Do I like Justin Fields? Yes, I like him a lot. I think that performance against Clemson in the college football playoff semifinal is one of the greatest college football performances of all time. Given what was said about Ohio State going into that game against Clemson and what Clemson said about Ohio State, how they didn't even have Ohio State in the top 10, let alone being in the top four, and they get absolutely dick-slapped by Ohio State after he definitely broke some ribs. Like, Justin Fields played one of the best games ever on bro- with broken ribs. And people can go, oh, broken ribs isn't that biggest injury. I've broken my ribs twice, both in football. And I'm not sitting here and going like, oh, it's... It was brutal. It was terrible. It hurts. Like I, those desks that you had in elementary school or middle school that had the, 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 if I just said the backbreakers, I think you understand what I'm talking about, where you just always pop your back. You can twist around, you pop your back. I popped my rib back into place doing that and just sprinted out of Miss Leo's classroom because I was like, oh God, I was crying. I was freaking out. I thought I was dying. And I called my dad and I was like, I'll never forget what my dad said because it made me, it makes me laugh now, but it didn't really strike, fill me with a, uh, what do you resolve <laughs> didn't make me feel good about myself or feel good about the situation in general was what are they going to do to rib injury well, you can't put a cast on a rib what are they going to do to it you're just going to sit out and Justin Fields with how that dude is how that dude plays how he carries himself he ain't sitting out due to a rib injury no matter how hard it hurt how much it hurt because I guarantee that rib injury that he had against Clemson was way worse than mine <laughs> guaranteed he got hit harder than that than I did the two times I broke my ribs. So that performance, and he played some insane throws. That throw to, I think, Jeremy Ruckert in the end zone, I've watched that highlight about a thousand times. It was one of the best throws I've seen at that with given the situation that they were in. Now, Ohio State went in the next game against, uh, who do they play? The Natty. Who was the national championship that year? Was that when they played? Did they play Alabama that year? Who did who did Ohio State play? Cause they got blown out. Who? Now this is bothering me. Who did who did Ohio State play in the national championship? Hold on, hold on. Twenty twenty one. Oh, it was Alabama? Huh? Who was the quarterback? Oh, it was Matt. Mac Jones was drafted 15th overall because they went to the... Na- okay, I've to- totally spaced it off. I don't know why. I was still on the mindset that Tua was there. I was like, what? Tua only won one natty. But no, 
I remember this national championship. <laughs> this what Mac Jones got drafted in the first round after this season. And this was the last game he played, Justin Fields played. So if they got drafted the same year, you'd be like, oh yeah, this is probably uh this is probably the right this is probably the right one. But that game was awesome. And then you knew they were gonna get annihilated against uh, Alabama because they spent all their energy against Clemson. Spent all of it against Clemson. So they they went into this game against Alabama, which is like, yep, we're here. We made it. That's about it. They could say, like, we're not here for the participation trophy. Uh, whatever. That <laughs> They were kidding. They were getting annihilated. I don't think anybody thought Ohio State would actually win this game. What was the line? The line was only nine and a half. I went into this game the same mindset I had at Iowa-Michigan. So I, I was not expecting Ohio State to be anywhere close to this. Because I think there was so much emotion and energy used against Clemson that this game was going to be brutal. But Justin Fields, at some point, is going to get hurt this season because their O-line is terrible and they have got no weapons. So you want to talk about creating separation, creating, making things easier for the quarterback. That's why they drafted Velas Jones, who ran like a 4-2 something at the combine for speed. They don't really have a lot of those people. They traded for Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry. The wide receiver that can't catch. He's on the J.J. Ortega-Whiteside track of being a tight end because he's more known as a blocker than he is as a runner. Equinomia St. Brown is still in the NFL. Do you know that? I didn't know that. Like Tajay Sharp, Byron Pringle, Dante Pettis, Daz Newsom, who I do like Daz Newsom, Darnell Mooney, Nikhil Harry, Velas Jones, and Isaiah Coulter. That's who we're looking at. Tight ends, Cole Komet, James O'Shaughnessy. Running backs, okay, they had clear... The Christian Tristan Ebner was not the running back I was thinking of when I was thinking of running backs the Bears might have drafted. Is there anybody? No, that's all that's who they drafted. But when Justin Fields gets hurt, because he's got no help around him, he's going to be handing the ball off. Matt Eberflus, to be fair, to be fair, is a defensive-minded head coach. With a young quarterback, with nothing around him, running the ball is going to be key. So I would imagine and be kind of surprised if it didn't happen that David Montgomery or even Khalil Herbert rushes for over 1,000 yards. Conservative mindset, keep recruiting young quarterback healthy and make sure his confidence doesn't get shot in his second year in the NFL, which I don't think it will happen, but you never know. But Nathan Peterman is still in the league, and Trevor Simeon is the back. Those two. You're over Justin Fields and Trevor Simeon and Nathan Peterman. There's even a bigger downgrade there. And the Lions are going to be better. The Vikings can't be as up and down as they were last year, but it's the Vikings, so you never know. They got a new head coach as well. Packers are still the Packers. And Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. So I, Bears are going to be bad. So if I had to rank like situations for quarterbacks, what I think is more fair than just ranking the quarterbacks outright because of the fact that Trevor Lawrence didn't have a lot of help down there, led the league in interceptions last year. Do I think he was the worst rookie quarterback? Do I think he was the worst quarterback in the NFL? No, I do not. So I think in regards to the situations, Justin Fields is by far the worst situation. At this point, like you look at what, like the Texans are not, okay, Davis Mills is number five on this list, obviously. Because you could rotate these two around, but you look at what the Texans and the Bears have. The thing that I like about the Texans, kind of, is that they got a decent enough off the line. Laramie Tunsil's there. Titus Howard's there. They drafted Kenyon Green 15th overall. So they reestablished the off the line with getting Kenyon Green. You got Scott Questenberry there from the Chargers, who I don't know if they're going to start him at center or Josh Britt or Jim Morrissey at center. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But getting Kenyon Green was very nice. And I was I, I remember hearing before the draft that he had a knee injury, so he wasn't going to go in the first round. That's what Daniel Jeremiah said, so I didn't have my first round mock draft. 
even though he was clearly a first-round talent. I did not have him there. And he got drafted 15th overall. Stupid. But you look at offensive offensive side of things. Do I like the receivers? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, Brandon Cooks just signed an offseason extension this year. But they got Philip Dorsett. They got Chester Rogers. About it. Chad Beebe's there. But at running backs, Damian Pierce from Florida, I like that pick. Damian Pierce was a nice Florida. He didn't put up, like, insane numbers while down at Florida. But dude's a good runner. He's got the talent. He's got the talent. He's got the size and talent. They also got Rex Burkhead. They got Royce Freeman, Marlon Mack. Like, they've got decent enough running backs to ease the pressure a little bit. Defensively, nothing insanely special on defense. But they got Jerry Hughes from Buffalo, which is a big sad day when but when he went down to Houston. Might come back midseason via trade to be a part of the Bills' potential Super Bowl run. They got Jonathan Grenard, who led the team in sacks last year. They drafted freaking Derek Stingley, who's a beast when healthy. Just that's the matter of fact. He's got to stay healthy. And Jalen Petrie from Baylor was big as well. The safety, very good safety. I went round to they get Jalen Petrie. I feel like that was late fifth round. Oh no, there was one other safety from Baylor that got drafted later. He got drafted in the second round. But yeah, I don't. One of the, I I'm just barely ranking the Texan situation more than the Bears. Because Lovey Smith's there, experienced head coach. He's been around the, the league. So I'm I'm kind of trusting that than a guy that's making his first ever appearance in the NFL as a head coach. And Lovey Smith has had success. He's gone to an NFC Championship game before. So, and gone to a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I, I like, the not by a lot. I do not want to make this sound like I'm ranking the Houston Texas situation miles better than the Bears, but the Bears are scary. Like, I, I fear for Justin Fields' life this year. Let's just put it that way. So, we'll see how Luke Getzey does as the offensive coordinator. It's his first year, I believe, as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Yeah, because he was at Mississippi State. That was his only real time. Oh, he's at Indiana, Pennsylvania. What the hell is this? Division two IPU Crimson Hawks football. Put them on the map. But this is his first year as an NFL offensive coordinator. He was a quarterback's coach and pass game coordinator for the Packers. So we'll see how he does. I just don't want Justin Fields to die, but I think his situation is the worst. And I think Davis Mills is number five on that list. And then the next one on this list, who are the other quarterbacks that we've mentioned? So we got six quarterbacks that were drafted. I've got to go back to my graphic. Uh, who else do I want to put? I don't really think the other situations are that bad. The other, the four other quarterbacks, I think, are. In, I, I you'd have to put the Jets at number at number four, right? Zach Wilson at four, right? Am I crazy for that? I mean, it's obvious to put him or Trevor Lawrence at four. Like it's. Mac Jones' team just went to the playoffs. Do I think it'll happen again? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see because the Patriots didn't really do a lot of things this offseason, which is kind of concerning. They drafted a Cole Strange from Chattanooga in the first round, which could turn out fine, but that's a shocking pick. Pretty shocking pick. They did not have the greatest draft of all time, the New England Patriots. But the Jets, I think the only thing we can... Uh, no, I'd probably rank... I don't know. Because Bill Belichick and the Patriots, so they're going to be all right. But the Jets... Young player. They're just really young. That's the only issue here. We'll see how the chemistry works. Not having Kai Beckton will be big, but like you look at their top weapons. Top, top weapons. Elijah Moore was drafted last year. Brees Hall was drafted this year. Uh, Garrett Wilson was drafted this year. Zach Wilson was drafted last year. Michael Carter was drafted last year. They're a young team in regards to weapons. Very young. Corey Davis has been around the block a little bit. CJ Ozama has been around the block a little bit. 
The offensive line's not terrible, terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible, terrible. So I think I'd probably put that, him at four in regards to the overall situation. And you look at Trevor Lawrence's situation. The thing I like about Trevor Lawrence's situation, he's got a quarterback-friendly head coach, a guy that's been to a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, been a backup to some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and Doug Peterson. I love that hire. Absolutely love the hire. And they've got – they drafted – I mean, people were, were somewhat surprised or somewhat – hesitant around Trayvon Walker. I think that'll work out. He looked really good in the Hall of Fame game. Based off one game, he looked really good in that game. Now, other options, like you, they made some big signings. They made signings. Something the Jacksonville Jaguars don't normally do. They paid Christian Kirk handsomely. Totally reset the wide receiver market. Gave Zay Jones a lot of money. Gave Evan Ingram money. They got Brandon Sheriff. Big time get for them. Don't know how they got that. They got Snoop Connor in the draft from Ole Miss. Roteo with Jerry on Ely. Very nice one-two combination there. They got Makai Sargent. Obviously, they got James Robinson and Travis Etienne. I think having Etienne back will be massive for the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not having him last year hurt a lot. Travis Etienne is a very versatile running back. He can play out wide. He can play in the backfield if need be. Or if need be. It's reverse the saying there. He can play out wide if need be. They could run a lot of two-back sets with him and James Robinson. Two very, very, very nice running backs. What else do they even have on this roster? I'm worried about Laquan Treble, but LaVisca Chenault, I like him a lot. Or a lot. I like LaVisca Chenault. Who else they got on this roster? But offensively, with Doug Peterson coming in, I do like that. I do like it. And they've got some young players on defense like Josh Allen. That Not that Josh Allen. The other Josh Allen. Then obviously got Trayvon Walker. They got Tyson Campbell. They drafted the second round last year. They got Andre Sisco, who <laughs> they didn't even know they had. Shaquille Griffin. Decent corner. Rayshon Jenkins is a pretty decent safety. Like, I, they've got a pretty... I'm not saying they're going to be good. So, the, let's just calm down on that. I'm not saying they're going to be good or anything. But they're in a bad division. They are in a bad division. I might make the, rank this one below the NFC East. But they're in a bad division. The Texans might be worse than the Jaguars. But who knows? I like that they got Doug Peterson. I think that's a very solid get for them. I think it will help freaking Trevor Lawrence's development a lot. He's got some experienced players around or spirits coached around him, like Mike McCoy, terrible head coach, but has worked with Peyton Manning in the past. So how much that affects your credibility as a coach and office coordinator, I don't know. But, you know, it's uh it's something. It's definitely it's definitely something, right? It has to be something. Give me nothing. But I I like I like the gets they've had. Working with Peyton Manning is gonna be a bit he's been around it. Not saying he's going to develop in anything, but Press Taylor's in his first year as an office coordinator was with the Colts. Worked under Frank Reich, who worked uh, was the office coordinator for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl under Doug Peterson. It's like familiar faces around the organization. Got Mike Caldwell as a defensive coordinator. Not that Mike. Uh, not that Mike Caldwell. <laughs> I'm thinking of another. No, I'm thinking of Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell. But either way, I like what they're building somewhat. Do I think they spend money stupidly? Somewhat. Somewhat. But I like the direction to a certain extent. To a certain, certain extent. I think they're going to be a lot better than what they were last year, which is not really that hard to do because I think they won three games last year. So, it's so yeah, they'd be a little bit – or two games. One of them is against the Bills. So, uh, yeah, the less said about that, the better. But you look at the Patriots, really the only thing that's keeping them above water, above Jacksonville, regards to what I think they could be is <laughs> freaking Bill. But, like, Pierre Strong getting from South Dakota State was big. I like Pierre Strong quite a bit. Damian Harrison played really well last year. Ramondre Stevenson expected to get an increased role this year. Still don't really have a lot of weapons on the outside. They got Tyquan Thornton from Baylor, 
who ran a really fast 40. They got Devontae Parker from the Dolphins, which is a pretty underrated get if he stays healthy. Devontae Parker just needs to stay freaking healthy. They got Trent Brown back, or they get Trent Brown back last year. They got him back last year. But that was a get. They got him back, which is pretty nice. And who else did they get? They obviously got Cole Strange like we talked about before. Malcolm Butler, they brought him back. No real – the loss of J.C. Jackson's massive because they did absolutely nothing to replace him. They got Sean Wade there at Cornley Brown, Jabril Peppers. Adrian Phillips is there. They got Marcus Jones from Houston, who's a pretty decent corner in his own right, so I don't want to take anything from Marcus Jones. They got Kyle Duggar still there. Linebackers still got, you know, the uh, where is he? Matthew Judon. I almost forgot where he was. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, Mac Jones has to be number two. He has to be number two. And Trey Lance is number one. Trey Lance is number one. Given, like, what he is, what type of player he is, how talented he is. Again, this could all fall flat on his face if he never figures it, if he doesn't figure out the NFL, the speed of the NFL or isn't ready or stuff like that. But having Kyle Shanahan, an optimized head coach, a very, very good play caller with some uber-talented players around him. If you, look, if you look at the other teams that we just mentioned, so we got the Jaguars, the Patriots, the Jets, Bears, and Texans. I want you to li- – I'm going to read certain players from, like, running backs, wide receiver, and tight ends, and you tell me which of those teams we mentioned before is better – has a better group or better player than what the 49ers have. Okay? So wide receiver, Debo Samuel. The 49 the so we're just go team by team. The Patriots best receiver is Kendrick Bourne or Nelson Aguilar. They ain't better than Debo Samuel. The Jets. Elijah Moore, who was playing really well before he got hurt again, but hasn't really proved it. He's probably their number one guy right now. Christian Kirk, no. And then what? Darnell Mooney. He's a fine receiver. I don't want to take anything away from Darnell Mooney, but no. Brandon Cooks, no. Debo Samuel was insane last year. And even Brandon Ayuk, you could say, is better than the most of the receivers we just mentioned. He just needs to get out of the doghouse. Running backs, I do like that they got Tyrion Davis-Price from LSU. I do like that get. I do like that. I'm intrigued to see how they use him. And they got Trey Sermon there, too. Elijah Mitchell. Like, the only team you can look at that and say is guaranteed better is the Jaguars. James Robinson and Travis Etienne. I think that's the best unit of running backs that we've mentioned so far. Some good running backs in there, but I think those two. And then tight end. Do we even mention tight end George Kittle? Like Hunter Henry for the Patriots, Evan Ingram for the Jaguars, CJ Uzama for the Jets, Cole Komet for the Bears, and then who the hell's the tech, the Texans tight end? Do we even say a tight end for the Texans? Who the hell's their tight end? Hold on. Give me a, give me a couple seconds. Who would you even say is the tight end? Adam Shaheen? Is Adam Shaheen the number one tight end on the Texans? Oh, God. Former Bears and Dolphins tight end. Is that the number one guy? Farrell Brown? Brevin Jordan? Former Florida, Florida geez, former Miami guy. Was first team all ACC. I don't know who the hell you'd put as the number one tight end on the Texans. But either way, they're not better than George Kittle. So I think if you look at just the individual skills that they have and even the rest of the groups that they have, Trey Lance is set up really, really well. And it's not an old and aging group either. They're all relatively young. Like they're I don't think any of them are in their the players we mentioned are nowhere near their 30s. Like Willie Sneed's there as well. Ray Ray McLeod, decent returner. Jawan Jennings played well last year. Brandon Ayuk, again, if you can stay out of the doghouse, we don't even need to talk about the defense. 
easily the best defense that we've mentioned <laughs> by far. What? Just read off the defensive line. Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Javon Kinlaw. They got Drake Jackson from USC, which is a nice get. Robert Kandichi is still in the NFL. What the hell? I did not know that. <laughs> He's on the 49ers. What the hell are you doing here? And then linebackers. They got the best linebacker in football in Fred Warner. I know a lot of Bears fans might be upset about that because I know a lot of Bears go, by his friend go, oh, Roquan Smith's extremely underrated, which he is. But I'd still probably take Fred Warner. I probably take Darius Leonard as well, and they want to throw stats. There's different things in regards to stats toward actually, you know, out there. But yeah, this team's just really good. They got they've got set. They're pretty set for Trey Lance. So that's what I feel like that's more fair than to do it with just flat out ranking them because there's so many situations that went out. Like, how do you rank Trey Lance as higher than last when he played the least out of all the quarterbacks that played last year? Like, I'm not even gonna go the projection route. But, like, just on their situations. Because I think that's key when talking about rookie quarterbacks, the situation they're in. So I would rank it like that. 49ers, Patriots, Jaguars, Jets, Texans, Bears, like, on their own thing. So I'm not even going to really talk about the Texans, Bears thing. <laughs> but I think the 49ers are the clear number ones out of that group. And I even think you can argue with the Jaguars being a little higher than what they are. Because they did make moves. They made moves. How much money they spend on the how many players is regardless <laughs> irrelevant at this point because <laughs> it's been taught about enough. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what these guys do this year. Do I think Trevor Lawrence will lead league interceptions this year? No, I do not think that will happen. I if it happens, fine, it happens. But I don't really think it'd happen. It can't happen twice, two times in a row, right? Yeah, but two times in a row. Zach Wilson just stay healthy. That's the main thing there. Same thing goes to. <laughs> Freaking Justin Fields, just stay healthy. Justin Fields didn't get hurt last year, but man, he's gonna get. He probably will get hurt this year, and I'm really sad about that because I really like Justin Fields. Davis Mills. The thing that scares me about Davis Mills is that he might be doomed, regardless of how good he does this year. If the Texans have a top draft pick this year, I really find it hard to believe they'd pass on Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud to keep Davis Mills. I really have a hard time believing that. As much as I want to be on Team Davis Mills, how much I don't think he's getting talked about compared to the other rookies, how he's just getting pushed aside, even though he had the best season statistically out of the rookies last year, I don't think they'll be able to pass on Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud if they're available. If they have a top two pick, or even a top three pick, and they're sitting there, they ain't going to pick Davis Mills. They could, but I really doubt it. Like, it's a somewhat similar similar situation to what Gardner Minshew is in. Like, Gardner Minshew put up really nice numbers in Jacksonville before they drafted Trevor Lawrence, but they're not going to take, they're not going to pick Gardner Minshew over Trevor Lawrence. They're not going to do that. He had a good season the season prior. They cut Nick Foles or traded him to Chicago or whatever the hell they did. Gardner Minshew wins the season, started, they beat the Colts, lost every single game. No matter how much the fans liked him, he was gone. He was as good as gone. And that's kind of how I feel might happen to Davis Mills. He had a good season last year, given the circumstances around the organization. If he has a year that's not up to the levels that they're, I don't know what their levels are they're expecting, but if they're, if he doesn't reach it, I imagine he have a pretty short leash. Not to get benched or anything, because their other quarterbacks are nothing to really brag home about, but yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling about that. I think Trey Lance is fine. I think Trey Lance will... Start every game. I don't think he, he might battle some injuries, but he's a tough big dude. Just needs to figure out. He just needs to be smart running the ball. It's the only thing I really fear for Trey Lance. When you're a bigger quarterback that can move, 
Josh Allen kind of struggled with this in his rookie year, making the smart decision of getting down or going out of bounds instead of trying to extend the play because that could lead to turnovers. And Trey Lance, we'll see how he develops in that. He's a very smart – he was a smart runner in college. We'll see if that translates to the NFL. Did I talk about all of them? I think I talked about Mac Jones. There's not really a lot I could say. I think we've seen – the thing is, Mac Jones athletically is nowhere near any of the guys we just mentioned. Nowhere near. But he's been to the playoffs, so I'm, I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Mac Jones and the – like, he fits what the Patriot way. He's the Tom Brady replacement. I saw a quote from Bill Belichick about Mac Jones. I don't know if it's true, but people are talking about Mac Jones struggling in preseason – struggling in camp, and he said, don't believe everything you read. Mac's top five quarterback in this league right now. There's no – there's nothing guys like Rodgers, Allen, and Mahomes could do that Mac can't. He proved it last year, and he's only gotten better. I don't think that's a real quote. I really have a strong, hard, hard, hard time believing Bill Belichick actually said that. Really have a hard time believing that. We were talking about some of the best arm talent in the NFL, between those three, the three best arms in the league. Mac Jones, who does not throw a particularly great deep ball, who cannot move anywhere near as much as as, uh, Mahomes and Allen, especially not Allen. Like, there's... He can't do anything that Mac, that Allen and I mean he could throw a five yard out, which is similar to what those those guys could throw five yards out. So I guess that you're talking about that aspect. He can breathe, so there's that aspect as well. I guess he can do that. He can blink. So they, so I guess there is some things, most things that they do. I guess he can do. Yeah. So I, I take that back because Mac Jones is doing. He's as far as I'm aware, Mac Jones is living and breathing right now. And as far as I'm aware, so are the three that we just mentioned. So. I guess Mac Jones is doing more with the, the, similar to those three than we think. But on the football field, no, they're not close. They're not close. I think Mac Jones is fine. I defended Mac Jones a lot going into the NFL because I think he got a lot of un, unnecessary hate. I'm not hating on Mac Jones or anything. I just think he's limited comparatively, which is why he was drafted 15th overall instead of 3rd overall. And that's why John Lynch and the, the rest of the 49ers organization convinced Kyle Shanahan to draft Trey Lance above Mac Jones. We had Trey Lance or Mac Jones going to the 49ers because that's what everybody was saying was Mac Jones to the Niners. Chris Sims was friends with was college roommates with Kyle Shanahan. He said Mac Jones. Daniel Jeremiah is the most plugged in NFL draft guy. He said Mac Jones. So what am I to ignore their uh, their insight and go? Yep, you know what? I'm going to ignore that, even though I should. Everything in my mind said Trey Lance is going third overall, and I never said that. Or I never put it anywhere. That was the smart move by the 49ers. In the long term, short term, we'll see, because Trey Lance is very raw. But that's why Mac Jones went 15th instead of 3rd, because he's a lot more limited in what he can do athletically than what the other guys that went above him can. Davis Mills, I think, surprised people how much how well he can move. I think that surprised people last year. I think he ran a 4-7-something, 4-6-something 40. He ran a really fast 40 compared to what people were expecting. A dude wears baggy sleeves, and I think baggy sleeves – takes off like a thousand <laughs> horsepower. So I think that's how I think that's how we're a uh, 40 yard dash. Where do you run? I think that I Yeah, okay, unofficial 485. 458. That's what it was. I don't know if that's <laughs> how real that is, but that was at the Stanford Pro Day. We're in a 45840. So that was fast. That's decently fast for a quarterback that wears baggy sleeves. You wear baggy sleeves, you're instantly branded as unathletic. You can't be athlete and wear number 15. Or we have baggy sleeves. That's against the law. That's, border, that's criminal if you're doing that. 
You're, you're stealing a living athletically if you're wearing baggy sleeves and running a 4, 5, 8, 40. I mean, I'm not saying that 40 is everything. Again, we've bashed the 40 a thousand times on the show. I'm not saying it, it's anything to write home about. But we're sticking with the draft to a certain extent. And I didn't even think this is how the show would go, but I, I kind of like it. <laughs> but two quarterbacks are drafted in the same year. This has been talked about quite a bit recently. It's Baker Mayfield versus Sam Darnold. Apparently, Sam Darnold's making it somewhat closer than what it should be. Because we've been under ever since Baker got traded to Carolina. It's Baker's job to lose. I believe that. I think most people out there believe it's Baker Mayfield's job to lose. But as it seems, Sam Darnold's keeping the keeping it close. So this is from Dan Cl- Dove Kleiman. I, he, I, he's got NFL underscore Dave, Dove Kleiman, so I think he's an NFL guy, but he's got, he's verified. He's verified. The Panthers QB competition stats from day one of Panthers camp between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Darnold, 11 for 14, five touchdowns, no picks. Baker, 9 of 16, zero touchdowns, one pick. So the battle between those two is closer than what I kind of expected. And I shouldn't be too surprised because, again, I think Sam Darnold is more talented than Baker Mayfield. I just think Sam Darnold has zero confidence. And quarterbacking is about 85% confidence. If you don't have confidence, you're going to struggle. Sam Darnold got caught with the quote of seeing ghosts, and that's been pretty much it. Everyone's been somewhat rooting for him, but it's kind of hard, too. It's, he's making it kind of hard, too. And Baker comes in. He's got a really divided group of people about him, a divided opinion about him. So people, I think, could take or leave if Baker Mayfield wins a starting job or not, but I think that's the expected thing. But right now, seemingly, Sam Darnold's got it close. Sam Darnold's got it very, very close, and I'm excited to see what transpires with that as the first week of preseason comes up. Because we had the Hall of Fame game last Thursday. We got preseason football coming up this weekend. So I'm excited to see what the Panthers, the direction the Panthers go with the starting quarterback and how much they rotate each quarterback with the starters. Because normally you'll have one guy go with the starters and then twos, threes, fours, whatever. But with those two competing for a quarterback job, you would have to imagine they both get some reps with the starters, alternate drives or something until the starters go out and then you're done. But it'd be really crazy to see the Browns and Panthers take place, go up week one with Jacoby Brissett taking on Sam Darnold. That'd be kind of funny. That'd be kind of funny with Baker Mayfield sitting on the bench. Number one, former number one and three picks in the draft are both on the same team, and one team, one player is going to be a backup to the other one. That is crazy. We got Josh Rosen. What is Josh Rosen? Speaking of Josh Rosen, what's his Twitter bio looking like now? Has he changed it yet? Because remember, he signed with the Browns. Has he changed anything yet? Oh, he. His bio is. He said quarterback Cleveland Browns. His bio has changed from quarterback Atlanta Falcons, quarterback Cleveland Browns. His Twitter picture though is still from the draft, and his ba- his banner or border, or whatever you want to call it, header, is still with him with the Dolphins. So he's he's updated one part of his Twitter profile picture. Profile. That was the... Uh, sorry, I had a gnat there. And that was the bio. Picture and header need to change. Let's see his Instagram. What is his Instagram profile picture? What is that? What is Josh Rosen's Instagram be looking like? I don't think I've ever been on here before. It's the draft picture. It's a good picture. It's kind of that, uh, <laughs> that old saying, the... The meme of uh, guys take one good picture and it's their profile pic for anything, everything. I love that he still has got the welcome coach thing on his Instagram. I'm so surprised. I'm really surprised he hadn't deleted that yet. Welcome coach got traded. <laughs> Does he have a Facebook? 
I want to see if it's Facebook's the same profile picture. He has that. He's a public figure, so he has to have a Facebook, right? Does anybody like his page? He does not have one. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> it's just it's the the guys take one good picture, and everything's their profile. It's everything in their profile picture. I have avoided that like the plague. I have one good picture of me after our trip to Montana. So uh, I've kind of kept that as my Instagram profile pic and kept other things different just because I wanted to make sure it stayed different. I didn't want to be updated and everything. Go like, hey, everybody, look at this one awesome picture. Did I, is that my Facebook profile picture? Hold on, that might be my Facebook picture. Oh, crap, it's my Facebook picture. <laughs> so two, two of my however many social media profile pictures are my camping trip. That's whatever. It's a good picture. I'll live to the meme. I don't really care. But, man, fun stuff. Very, very fun stuff. I had some other stuff I want to talk about. Like, we had the Premier League take place. We had all the games end. I mean, we were recording the show as games were taking place on Saturday. And the games happened Sunday. So, we weren't really going to talk about the Premier League, especially with those two who I don't think have ever watched soccer before. If they have, they're one of the people that are very against soccer. One would imagine, anyways. Kevin's making fun of offensive linemen diving into the grass. I don't think he's going to be having a lot of great things to say about soccer players in that regard. But yeah, Premier League first weekend was fun. Tottenham currently sit top of the table. Four goals, one goal allowed in their first game. Manchester United lost 2-1 to one to Brighton, so that's not holding up fairly well. Erling Holland scored two goals in his first game. So yeah, fun stuff. Premier League is back. Exciting stuff. I watched Manchester United try to play against Brighton. They were down 2-0. Uh, Diego Delo totally did not handball <laughs> to the back of the net after Robert Sanchez tried to save it and batted it right into Alexis McAllister, who was a... Uh, a man and is not from Ireland or Scotland. He's from Argentina, which is a weird, weird thing. <laughs> I don't think any of you listening heard the name Alexis McAllister. Like, oh, that's a male Argentinian soccer player. Nope, that's what he is, though. That is what he is. So, yeah, I think that's all I've got for you today. I, I was going to talk some about college football, but we've got college. We can talk a little bit more about college football in the coming weeks because college football is creeping closer and closer. I'm getting very, very excited for college football. First week of college football is August 26th. Good Lord, we're going to be two weeks away come Friday. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? That Man, that is crazy. I love the NFL. I love college football. I'm just ready for football. It could, it could be preseason football as long as it's football. I'm excited. And I guess I didn't state this. I'm going to be gone. As far as I'm aware, I'm going to be gone next week. So we have no shows. We have no Logan Blackman show episodes from the 15th through the 19th, so don't expect anything through there, but we'll be back on the 22nd. We will have the long-awaited World Cup, like, United States squad prediction thing on that day because the World Cup, it starts on November 21st. I will be recording on August 21st. So we will do the squad thing then. We were going to talk about it last Wednesday. It didn't end up happening because we didn't record a show on Wednesday. Just a giant mess. Moving in's hard. It's not well. It's not hard, but it's just, it's just long and stressful and tiresome. So we didn't record anything. But I do hope you enjoyed this show. I do really hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed this episode of the Logan Blackman Show. Again, if you did not enjoy, let me know. You can leave a one star rating if you want to, but just leave a description down below on why you think the way you do about this episode of the Logan Blackman Show. And yeah, hope you enjoyed it. If not, I apologize. We'll try to be better next time. We will come back on Friday. Got some NFL preview stuff to go over because we got preseason football kicking off. Fantasy football is going to come up here in a little bit. I'm really excited about fantasy football. Really excited. We'll have Top 5 Friday for you again. I'm just excited. 
I'm excited. I love football. I love soccer. I'm just so happy sports are back. I'm so happy. Baseball with the Cubs being terrible and making these weird runs. Jason Hayward's going to be done after the season with the Cubs, which is kind of halfway sad, halfway very exciting because I've <laughs> doesn't really provide a whole lot anymore. But, yeah, the Cubs have been kind of hard to watch. So we're just, we're just waiting for football. I'm going to get done with this, watch the Cubs game. It's uh, Framil Reyes' first game with the Cubs, so we'll see how – We'll see how that goes. Excited to see what he does. Power hitting right fielder is going to line up a DH tonight, so we'll see how that one goes. But I hope you enjoyed the show again, and I will see you all later. Enjoy the rest of your day, and peace.